Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for Thursday, October 26, 2023. My name is Sean Tierney and this is a show where we talk about what's new and happening in industrial automation. And it's a little later than I had hoped this morning, 7.42, because one of the USB cables I have in the office here just stopped working for no reason at all. So apologize for being a little bit late, but with that said, let's go ahead and jump right into the news first. I want to make sure the camera got bumped a little bit, so it's not it's not perfectly aligned, but we're just going to run with it. And uh, I do have the chat up. If anybody's watching live, you can always chat with me. Uh, from there, just a reminder, if you're new to the show, every single link we've covered in all 130 plus episodes this year, you'll find right at automate.news. No www, no com. So with that, let's go to our sponsor and thank them for... Uh, making this episode ad-free. We really appreciate our sponsors. So if you see anybody from Siemens, please thank them for sponsoring the Automation Morning Show. With that, I want to go over to our first press release. This is a uh, press release from Eaton, and it's uh, it talks a lot about cybersecurity. I thought it was very interesting. And specifically, they're talking about the capabilities of their Network M3 card. So very interesting uh, cybersecurity innovations for backup power technologies is what the article is entitled. And if you want to see what the card looks like, I actually pulled it up here and they have a video that goes into it. But uh, this has all kinds of cybersecurity features. Um, if I go back to the press release, they kind of list them out here. Chain of trust encryption, user configurable firewall, remote storage of security keys, zero touch provisioning uh, and certificate management or manager. So a very interesting new product there for me. And now we go over to Banner. And Banner has a new, uh, they're promoting their new S15L Pro with Modbus status indicator. So if you're listening and not watching, this looks like a, I don't know, a AA battery sized device. You plug it into your quick disconnect on your, on your device, whether it's a photo Ioprox, and then um, you plug your cable into the other side, and it gives you a big light, like uh, you, and there's so many colors to choose from here. But in any case, and this can be extremely helpful when you can't see the indicator on the top of like your photo eye or on the back of your prox. And um, I know we're in our digital twin we're building for the automation school. Uh, one of the photo eyes is positioned in such a way you can't tell if it's on or off, right? You just can't see the, the, the light on the top of it. And so it would be nice to have a digital twin of this in that software that we could use so we could see when things, something's on or off. And of course, this is much bigger light than what you get typically on a, on a sensor. So that is the, uh, for anybody listening, that is the S15L Pro. And it does have Modbus, and it does have Modbus, it does have Modbus and Snap Signal. And uh, we did cover Snap Signal, and I don't have it up here, but that was uh, in a previous podcast with Banner. We had him on the show and covered the Snap Signal in detail. Very interesting network. From there, we go over to an announcement from Emerson. And uh, we talked about this earlier in uh, an earlier show about their plant web insight valve health application and i uh, thought this was very interesting if you have you know dozens or hundreds of valves in your facility right this software will monitor them all and i did have this highlighted before i tried to fix the microphone but um they can actually help you uh, prioritize maintenance based on the valve health index that the software gives you you know, it monitors the use of the valves uh, based on information you put in, you know, what type of corrosive uh, uh, type of chemicals are going through and uh, the valve is exposed to. But they have five different indicators here to help you prioritize repair maintenance. Um, they have the repair urgency, of course, valve health index, 
the uh, financial impact to your facility, uh, criticality, and NE107 alert status. So very interesting software. I'm glad they published this because we had covered it earlier, but I had no idea what it did. So this article will really give you a good idea of what this uh, software does. From there, we go over to our featured product today. We're featuring our Compact Logics. We can see this is the level one edition. If you pick up the level one edition, you can always upgrade to the level one and two for the difference in price. And um, the reason I brought this up is because uh, we're starting to get in all the Compact Logics. We got all the PLC5s in, so we're just be testing them. We already had everything for the Slick 500, I believe. So um, we're just filling out the line for the Compact Logics. We got an L4, we got an L35. We got um, coming in, we already had the L2 come in, we have an L20 coming in, so we should have everything. Uh, of course, we, we have a 5380 already in-house. So uh, in any case, um, if you pick up, not the level one, but if you pick up the level one and two, you do get the new course for free. And of course, these are all forever courses, so you buy them once, you own them forever, and you can take them as many times as you need. And um, you can see the pricing right there. Now, the prices will go up in 2024. So if you know anybody, especially if you want to do group enrollment and get a bunch of employees, even if you want to add some spare enrollments, you can do that with our group enrollment program. And then, of course, you can track your students to see how they're doing. From there, we go over to a new product from Wago. And yeah, I feel a little rushed this morning because I, I spent 20 minutes troubleshooting a USB cable. Hopefully, the audio is still working. Yes, it is. Um, from there, we go over to Wago, and they introduced a new next generation single channel electronic circuit breaker. And this guy is small. He's only six millimeters. And uh, let me show you a picture of it here. This is what it looks like. And uh, I got to tell you, this thing is uh, small. So if you are listening and not watching, it looks like a standard terminal block with, uh, what, four levels. And you can see here we got S2 in, we got volt V plus in. V plus in and ground, okay, and then S1 out and V plus out. So in any case, six millimeters, very small. From there we go to Maple Systems. They're promoting their new uh, wide range, wide temperature range, I should say, IPC. And it's UL rated and it's great for outdoors, they say. This thing does have a wide range. Um, it is, you know, it's not your standard zero through 50. It's minus 40 to 70. So that's pretty uh, pretty wide range, and it's IP54 rated. And of course, this is uh, at a at a. I didn't pull up the price. I had it up up before, but this is um, at a real great price as well. Um, they say it's ideal for outdoor applications: two Ethernet ports, two serial ports, video output, four USB ports, one audio output port, and optional Wi-Fi. And the one thing I would say about this is you got to understand it does have a quad core Atom uh, CPU. Okay, so that may not be uh, adequate for the most, uh, you know, stringent applications, but it can come with up to eight gigs of um, RAM, which is enough for typically any type of application, and up to 512 gigabyte of SSD again, which is typically enough for any single application. I know many of us are running VM VMware, and we need 32 gigs of RAM because we're running multiple images at the same time, and we need lots of SSD space to store all those VMware images, but Typically deployed in the field in edge computers, not going to need that. Now, uh, one thing I noticed that was interesting, it has a display port, but it also has a DVI port for video out. So I'm assuming you can use both of those at the same time. I do like that. You know, they, they're showing here in the picture four USB 3s and they're showing two serial ports. So I do like it has all those, all those ports. But in any case, that's a new product from Maple Systems. From there, we go over to the Positol. 
Opposital uh, newsletter, and they're featuring three new products. This first one I just thought was so interesting. I'd love to find time to play with it, but uh, you can see here it's uh, new from Ubito, a Wigan IoT node kit, or they call it a Wink for short. And this unit I thought was very interesting. This is actually powered through, and they're not going to let me scroll, huh? Okay, this is actually powered through uh, harnessing energy from magnetic field polarity changes, right? So it's batteryless, which is very cool. And uh, you can see more information about it if you have any applications where you need to uh, do some IoT uh, deployments and you don't want to have batteries out there, and you, but you want to collect information from the field, uh, check that out. They also have information on their uh, the latest and greatest uh, hazardous environment encoders that they make. And uh, they also have an article here about using their encoders in packaging applications. From there, we go over to what's new at Automation Direct. A couple of new things here. They got a new uh, Mer Plastic two-piece split conduit and Balif BCS series capacitive proximity sensors. So we've had Balif on the show before. So let's go uh, over to Opto 22. They got a new Opto blog out today. And this is about uh, the tech talk they gave at a CodeSys event, a recent CodeSys event. And um, they did a great job recapping it. I did not have time this morning to watch the 20-minute tech talk, but they did a great job recapping it in this article. And it uh, really talks about um, as we covered on the show, it talks about how their new, the new, the newest, the latest uh, firmware release for Groove RIO now uh, can be a complete PLC. It's what's CodeSys, right? And so they talk about that. They talk about the features of CodeSys when running on Groove. And uh, they even have a customer in, in as part of the talk talking about a deployment where they reach, recently used it in a particular facility. So I thought it was very interesting, and you may enjoy the video as well. From there, we go over to uh, ISA's website, automation.com, and there's a new article here from a, a veteran of Opto22, and it talks about looking for cybersecurity features in edge controllers in I.O. And I thought this was a very good article on cybersecurity in general. And uh, they do talk about some of the features inside of the Groove products, which is understandable, but they really dig into the what's and how's of cybersecurity and and you know important terms, defining them. What do they mean? Why would you want to um, implement certain features? You know, they talk about firewalls. It's very a very in depth article, and they also talk about something we've been talking about a lot recently. We actually had Red Line on to talk about it recently. Uh, that episode has not released yet, but it's coming, and that's uh, six two four four three and zoning. Right. So very interesting recap there on that. Again, a lot of this has to do with how it's implemented in Opto twenty two, but. It's still, the information here is, uh, is generic enough that you'll get something out of it, especially if you want to learn more about cybersecurity. So I'll include a link to that as well. And uh, I saw some people uh, say hi. And uh, so um, Christian's saying hi, and he's talking about Siemens IPC. And he says, hey, the 247 is very similar to the one you have on your desk. Well, thank you for passing that along. Um, next, we have an article from Schneider Electric. This is talking about the uh, challenges that OEMs have today, and then it goes into one of their partners who helps OEMs meet those challenges. Um, and so it's, you know, half, half, half uh, informational article, half talking about a customer. But in any case, um, I really liked what they said here. You know, it used to be that if you were a custom machine builder or, or an OEM, you just had to produce so many products, right? Every hour, that was, that was all people cared about. But today, People kind of have more questions like, hey, what if we need servicing? 
hey, what's the total cost of ownership? Like, like how much is it going to cost to maintain this system? And, um, you know, how's your customer service? If I call with a question, you know, am I going to get an answer? It's not going to get a human being on the other side of the line. And on and on and on, right? And a lot of times we start seeing machine as a service, right? So they don't want to buy the machine. They just want to rent the machine, right? Because they have to do a custom run and they don't actually probably won't need it next year or they don't know if they need it next year. So, and a lot of times when you do that, you need a lot of analytics to prove that the machine is meeting the contract and all of that. So I thought it was a very interesting article in the, uh, the company that is an Alliance uh, machine integrator with Schneider is Automotion. So just throw their name out there because they're in the article. So from there, we're going to go to our featured guide. We're featuring our S7-1500. These are all the free guides up at theautomationblog.com. This, this is not everything we've written about or created videos about, but these are the top products we've covered. And uh, on the S7-1500 side, I'm going to uh, feature today the uh, new tech tip I did on TIA Portal V18 and using PLC SIM. So if you've used PLC SIM prior to V18, Right, you're used to it looking one way. Well, in V18, they really changed it, right? So I was struggling with it. I'm like, well, this is nothing like the old one. So um, I did a tech tip on it and uh, showed you, hey, okay, if, if, if you're confused like I was, this is how you use the new VAT ver V18 version of a PLC SIM. And you can tell it's a video because it has an episode number at the end. If it's an article like this one, um, exchange data between somatic PLCs on different subnets, no episode number, so you know that's an article. All right, so that's our highlighted guide and uh, video for today. From there, we go over to an article from PTC about SMED. What is SMED, right? And so I didn't know what SMED was. So I thought this was, this was an, this is an older article that they recently updated. And so I thought it was worth uh, sharing to you. And I had this highlighted before we had the audio problems this morning. So uh, originally it was designed with, this is a process that, where the goal was to reduce changeover from hours, right? So when you change over from one product to another, there's all these things you got to do to under 10 minutes. And they were working in with, uh, with the machines that had dies in them where they would punch out or, or, you know, something new. So that's where they came up with single minute exchange of dies. Okay. But this concept works really in all of uh, our industry. I think in most of our industry anyways. And so some of the goals of SMED is a lower manufacturing cost. Okay, so if your machine is idle less and you can switch from one product to another quicker, of course, you're, you're going to have less downtime, right? So you're going to have lower costs. Standardized changeover procedures. So if you're trying to uh, really optimize the changeover procedure, of course, everybody's going to have to do things the same way. You can't just have everybody going willy-nilly because they won't get the best times, right? Um, increase, increase, increase machine work rates. Um, obviously, right? If the machine is down less, it's going to be making more parts and then better, better responsiveness to the customer. I'm laughing at myself. I'm tongue tied this morning, better responsiveness to customer demand. So, um, you know, I think a lot of companies have found, I've, I've visited so many companies where they succeed not by having the lowest cost price, right? They're not making their products overseas with 30 power and slave labor, right? They're making it right here at home, right? Or making it in your country. And um, what they do, the way they succeed is by being able to make custom batches easily and quickly, right? And so that's so true. If you can change over from product A to product B or to a custom product, maybe custom length or custom color quickly, right? You're going to really own that market because most 
most times people don't just want the dirtiest you know product made with slave labor they want something that's that's good and they want it customized they want it to be just right for them so in any case the, the article goes on and on the link will be at automate.news but i thought it was a very interesting article and from there we go over to another interesting article from uh digikey and this article is about um specifying and using vfd cables now thought this was very interesting if you're already specifying cables you know about reflective wave you know about corona discharge and all that stuff but if you're a junior person or you haven't done it in a while you not you know this and i from my experience this all came out with the igbt's right and the higher switching frequencies now you guys think i'm wrong use the talkback link and school me on it but i thought this article did a good job explaining those concepts and going through um you know the challenges like reflective wave and def defining what it was um and uh, they get some nice charts in here so i really think they did a good job common mode currents right that's another uh, another thing we worry about emi rfi so uh, i thought they did a good job on this article and they, then they go into some of the products they sell you know the different types of conduit connections and whatnot but in any case i did want to share that with you now one thing i, <laughs> I see this all the time it's I, I i call it virtual signaling maybe maybe there's a different word name for it but the title of the article is specifying and using VFD cables to improve reliability and safety. And I would have continued, I would have finished it by saying, and improving energy efficiency. We covered that uh, energy efficiency movement yesterday, right? Which I think is such a great movement. Um, but no, they finished it by saying and reduce carbon emissions. So um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. How do you, how do you know that this, they're not using hundred percent green energy? Then that wouldn't be true, right? So. I don't know. Um, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But uh, Grace had a new uh, uh, midweek article here. It's the 10 top reasons to visit the Grace Technologies booth at Automation Fair. And um, I'm going to be there in two weeks. So if you're going to be there, let's get a selfie together. We'll share them on the show when I get back. But uh, in any case, Grace will be there. And some of the reasons to visit their booth is you're going to be able to see all of the different versions of their products like Checkvo and Graceport. I mean, there's so many different options with those products right another reason to go and see them is because you'll get to see the company they recently purchased perpetua right and that's the that's the the item that harvests heat energy to produce power so you don't have to have batteries in your senses out in the field right if you're doing condition monitoring and things like that and so there's they have 10 things here the number 10 was hey go visit boston which is which you know you know when you're in the area why not so um I don't visit Boston. I'm, I'm, we are actually in the Berkshires, so Boston's on the other side of the state, and I just see Boston as a traffic magnet. So every time I go there, I'm stuck in traffic, and uh, I don't miss not having any traffic up here in uh, the Berkshires. Uh, in any case, from there we go over to, uh, just a reminder, yesterday uh, we released our interview with uh, Schneider Electric about their Harmony HMIs and IPCs. I learned a lot. Like I knew nothing about their HMI offering. And after sitting down with them for 30 minutes, I learned so much about it. So whether you're using Harmony and you want to get an update of what they're doing, you know, the Harmony HMIs and IPCs from Schneider, or if you're using somebody else's, you want to see how the other side's living, uh, I definitely think you will enjoy this episode. For those listening, this is Podcast 176. Uh, from there, we do have a new video from Rosemount or Emerson, and this is about how to configure their 1208 level and flow transmitter. So if you're just uh, getting one out, we looked at the unboxing yesterday, and now they have a, uh, a video on how to configure and set it up. 
From there, we go over to documentation. Only one new doc piece of documentation out today, and it's a biggie, 1,700 pages. And this is from uh, the good folks over at Umron, and it's uh, their automation controller instruction reference manual. So uh, this is for their NJNX series, which I have no idea what that means, but in any case, these are their automation controllers. And from there, this is the article I was talking about earlier, we have a new article in our science and technology section we like to include or try to include at the end of every show. And this is from IEEE Spectrum. And this is about, now the title of this article is called Hydrogen Electrolysis Can Give Nuclear Power a Boost, right? But I really think the title underplays the article. So basically what, what the article says is that, um, you know, nuclear power, it's not very variable, right? It's not easy to change the, um, the change, you know, how much power you're outputting. And so when there's low demand and the price for electricity is very low, they're selling the power at below cost, right? Below the cost to keep the plant running, right? So um, they recently did a study. Uh, they say machine learning. To me, it was more like algorithms. But they did a study where they said, okay, hey, when power, when the price of power goes below the cost to generate it, let's not sell it below cost. Let's instead make hydrogen, which I think is great. And you can sell hydrogen, right? To all kinds of processes that need hydrogen. Um, the other thing they did though, is they weren't just making hydrogen. They were also, uh, when power, when the price of power went way up there in peak demand, they were generating electricity from the hydrogen. Now in this article, they used a fuel cell. As we talked about in previous episodes of the morning show, we know that you can burn hydrogen and the only waste product, if it's burnt correctly, is water, right? So, and that's the same true with a, with a fuel cell. So they could actually use a big, uh, I see internal combustion engine designed to burn hydrogen cleanly and probably much for much less money than the fuel cell costs and still not pollute, right? And generate a lot of electricity. But either way, whether you use an ICE or you use a fuel cell, um, in this case, they use a fuel cell, they can actually recover that waste energy and actually make money from it. And in this study with the fuel cell, they did a 120 day study and they found that they could increase their uh, their uh, operating revenue, let's see here, I'll get it up. Again, I had this highlighted before I had that issue pre-show. 27% increase in revenue by doing this, right? And it, this doesn't just apply to nuclear power plants. Think of all the, let's say like wind and solar, where when the energy is being produced, it's not, there's nobody to use it. I mean, there's all these stories you can find in news about, uh, about, uh, actually uh, uh, solar and wind farms paying people to take their electricity, actually paying them to take their electricity during uh, low peak demands because they have no place else to send it, right? And the solar cells and the wind turbines produce the energy no matter what, you know, when, when, when the sun is out or the wind is blowing, so they got to get rid of it. This would be a much better solution for them as well, right? Turn it into hydrogen. You can either sell the hydrogen or you can, through multiple different ways, turn that into electricity when you need it. So on demand. So I just thought a very interesting article, not something new, but this study was new. So I thought it was a good opportunity to bring it up and talk about it. And with that, I want, I know we're running late. It's 8.05. I want to thank Siemens for sponsoring this episode. Uh, they had nothing to do with my microphone issues um, this morning. I don't know what's wrong with that USB cable. I think I want to put it in the corner because it's a bad USB cable. Uh, in any case, I do want to thank Siemens for sponsoring this episode of the Automation Morning Show. If you see anybody from Siemens, tell them thank you for sponsoring our show. I also uh, just want to remind you, if you want to rant or uh, send in some news that I missed, use the uh, uh, news tip link, or you can use the talkback link for your rants. That's probably a better one for ranting. 
with that, I do want to thank everybody who signed up. We're up to 1290 now over at automation.locals.com. Now, unlike uh, connecting with me on LinkedIn, which I invite everybody to do, this is our community where you can post questions, post suggestions, talk about what you're doing. So a little different than LinkedIn, which is more of that professional social media. So I invite everybody, anybody who posts a question, I try my darndest to answer it for you if it's something I know about, like uh, POCs and HMIs and so on. But, and, and you can see all the previous back and forth that we've had uh, up there as well. So with that, that's automation.locals.com. And I uh, also want to thank everybody who picked up a copy of my eBooks on Control Logics and Compact Logics, all my video collections on all kinds of PLCs and HMIs and SCADA products. Really appreciate you guys, as well as the folks who pick up coffee cups and T-shirts. Every penny goes right back into the site and show. Um, every penny of profit goes right back into the site and show. Um, with that, just a reminder, every single link, USB cable working or not, will find its way up to automate.news from this episode. I don't even know. I think this is 134 for the year. So we have 133 episodes worth of links up at automate.news, soon to be 134. And uh, you can actually filter all the way back to July. Um, still haven't had any chance to re-add the links. The links are there, but they're just a page of links. They're not individual links like you see here um, for December, well, December 12th through sometime in April. So in any case, but every link is up there. And with that, we made it. We're a little late today, 8.07, but uh, I do want to wish you all, and I know many of you watch after the fact. So I do want to wish you all an awesome day and just a reminder and encouragement to be courageous and to be fearless. And until next time, my friends, peace.